What's up, everybody? It is Casey with Two Worlds Podcasts, and with me, as always, is the war machine to my Iron Man. It's Jake. How you doing, buddy? I am great. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. I long day. Other than that, not too bad. We also have a special guest. Uh, we might get to see podcast dog tonight. She is sleep though so probably won't <laughs> i do want to say thank you for not making me iron man or machine's well, I mean, way cooler <laughs> he no he a hundred percent is but at the same time i'm like i kind of want to be rdj so okay fair enough <laughs> except you're more handsome yeah thanks man <laughs> all right you do look a lot like don Cheadle, though <laughs> thanks i've been told that <laughs> zero times <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do some news you've got a couple more than me so i'll let you take it away yeah mine my most of my news is mostly like not a lot of substance to it it's just kind of like what i'm gonna say and then like not much discussion is gonna come from it but uh this is like one of the cool things ben templesmith a artist that we both really like is doing an instagram exclusive book it's gonna be an every week thing it's he releases four pages of it it's something that you're going to really like. Have you looked into it at all? No. Okay. Well, it's basically a um, medieval type book where like the, like I said, only eight issues have come out so far. So it's just like these ruffians come into a bar demanding money, you know, so that they don't kill and rape and pillage everybody. And then there's one guy that's in there. That's like, not from around these parts who's just trying to enjoy a drink and that's how the how it ends i'm like yeah this is pretty neat and it's ben temple smith's art so that's fantastic and it's a hundred percent in jake's alley so at the very least if you're if you're like i don't sound like i don't think i'll like this but jake's going to <laughs> maybe he's making it just for me maybe it's like this is the jake special <laughs> I mean, his last one was he did that that uh, Viking book that he sold at C two E two, which was awesome. So yeah, because I knew you did the Kickstarter on that. I didn't know if you if it ever came in or not. Because I remember he you made it sound like he was a little worried when you asked him about it. Yeah, it it didn't come in through Kickstarter. I had to get it from him at the show, but at least I ended up getting it. Yeah, that's true. That man, that's too bad though. It never came in. Yeah, well, that's that's the gamble you take with some of those, unfortunately. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so I'll, another little tidbit. Zack Snyder stated that um, Wayne T. Carter was going to play Jon Stewart, or he did play Jon Stewart in the original stuff, but like WB wouldn't let Jon Stewart be in the movie. Uh, but he had this guy all picked out. It was someone that Ray Fisher knew because they were both stage actors. And so Ray kind of introduced him. He's like, this is the guy. And Zach was like, yeah, this is the guy. And then they picked, but then WB was like, you can't, you, you can do about anything, but you can't use Jon Stewart, which it's like, <laughs> in all honesty, it's for the best that they didn't use John because it's, you have that same problem of like two, two characters that are like, you know, top tier, powerful guys, not helping against Steppenwolf. Right. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that, I mean, it still would have been cool to see him, but he Zach kind of left it open. And when he was talking, like he could still show up as John in the future. I guess his costume for the uh, Snyder Cut would have been all CG, and then he would have got like a proper costume. So could have been cool. Sure. Yeah, I I think it's kind of weird that we haven't seen John yet. Like 
we should have by now i mean i it's one of those things where i'm not surprised mostly because of just how bad of a job dc has done with their movies and like trying to get things done well so like there just hasn't been the opportunity because they messed up with you know justice league big time and then they messed up with the green lantern movie even bigger time and then it's like (laughs) what was he gonna do show up in aquaman (laughs) right yeah fair enough we're supposed to be getting a core movie though so who knows isn't isn't that the tv show the core tv show and then they're doing a separate thing or was it both i I mean if i'm being honest i'm kind of losing track at this point yeah it's about like it's about like uh early on dc when marvel was kicking their butt in the movies and they're just like no we're gonna do everything and then like none of it happened right (laughs) but we still have hope yeah all right so chip zadarsky's justice league the last ride is no longer digital first it's actually going to be coming out in print at the same time so if that matters to you rejoice yeah, that that is exciting for me because I get so tired of pulling up Instagram and being like, when did this come out? And why are they giving me the spoilers for it? And then I find out that it's a digital only, like you know, digital first or whatever book. I'm like, right. Thanks, Instagram, for ruining that for me. That's that's wonderful of you. Yeah. The joys of social media. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so for Earth Day, this was like one of those things where I read it the initial news and then like i didn't um look into it more until this morning and then like it made me go from like up here all the way down here and it really really sucks but um for earth day there will be a new avatar the last airbender show on youtube okay i'm I'm up to here yeah you got your excitement (laughs) and we're gonna be getting a trailer today but it's a fan discussion series so it's basically this oh i mean it's like i guess who, who that's wants okay. to listen to this <laughs> yeah it's like it's like yeah i guess this is okay but when you start off by saying you're gonna get a new avatar last airbender series and then you make it people talking about it it's just like yeah you've sucked all of the excitement out of it you should have right. just said it's gonna be a show where people talk about it then they'd be like okay i'll watch that <laughs> well I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on what all that's going to entail. I mean, it might it might end up being like the Talking Dead, but with uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, right. and then like since it'll be Nickelodeon. They'll get slimed. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope, right? It's like Chris Hardwick's like, oh, "Hey guys, I'm Chris Hardwick, and this is the only jobs I can get." slime time and then they all like oh no (laughs) like how is this in my apartment because this is supposed to be a zoom meeting how did you get the slime in here (laughs) (laughs) wow all right uh let's see here so kari andrews is reviving amazing fantasy this july uh and this was the little blurb they had for it it's red room black widow Teenage Spider-Man and World War II Captain America. The most iconic versions of your favorite Marvel characters from across time and space all wake up on an island of intrigue, darkness, and amazing fantasy. 
It's going to be a five issue miniseries. I didn't like when DC did this, and I don't like it now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's just like I don't, I don't care about this. So, I mean, I hope someone does, because, but yeah, you got any excitement for it, man? Uh I don't know. I mean, Kari uh, Anders is fine, but. I don't know. Some sometimes these like out of continuity stories end up being pretty good. I just I don't know. I don't know if I need to read that one per se. Yeah. So uh Christian Bale shaved his head for Thor Love and Thunder. And the article I read that's talking about this, they're like, Yeah, he shaved his head, he's getting into the role. Um, so I just want to know is like how method is he going? Is he gonna start trying to kill gods like if he sees santa claus at a mall is he gonna try to murder it i don't know if santa claus is a god or not but it's like he's pretty close so how how in depth is he getting is what i'm trying to get at (laughs) well i mean it'd be pretty cool right it'd be pretty method for sure (laughs) which is kind of his style right yeah i think so uh, another another thing, the Flash movie logo has been revealed on uh, the director Andy Muschietti's Instagram, and it looks cool. Like it's got a little bit of sound with it too, and you know, like this is basically their way of announcing that they've started filming. So that's, like I said, pretty cool. Uh, not much to it other than that, though. Right. Um. Okay. My last thing, it's also kind of small, but uh, the official X-Men relaunch lineup has been revealed by Marvel. So let's see. And that's the one that Jerry Dugan's going to write with uh, Pepe Larraz and Marte Garcia. And let's see. That team is going to be Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Sunfire, Rogue, Wolverine, uh, X-23, not Logan. Cinch and Polaris will be the new roster with Charles Xavier, an unofficial member, whatever that means. And then the little blurb they gave on that, this new title will showcase the incredible adventures of the first X-Men team since the mutant nation of Krakoa was formed in Jonathan Hickman's revolutionary House of X and Powers of X. So there you go. That's exciting. You think it's going to sell stupid well, like, you know, hotcakes? I think at least the first issue will. Yeah. I'll be honest. I mean, a lot of people are picking up the X-Men stuff for Jonathan Hickman. So yeah. if it's Jerry Dugan, who has done a couple X books in recent memory anyway, I don't know. I gotcha. I guess if they're fans of him, they will. But um I don't know. Some of those members, it's like if you'd have gone with a different team, it would probably sell better. But yeah, I mean, there's so many X-Men, you got to have a rotating team eventually, right? For sure. Like that's that's my main problem with the X-Men characters is like why I can't get into them because it's like the when I was a kid, there was like, oh yeah, these are the characters. You better like them. Otherwise, this is all you're getting. And then like now it's like there's a lot of mutants, okay? Wolverine's on every team. Don't worry. But other than that, except we're this gonna, one, <laughs> we still get a Wolverine. True. So it's like, so it's like, don't worry. 
we got somebody for you. And it's like, I don't want to take all this time to figure it out, guys. Come on. Yeah. It takes it takes way too many like YouTube videos or podcasts to just figure out the timeline that I just can't do it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Dominic Purcell, aka Heatwave in the Flash, is walking away from CW. Sounds like CW or WB like really had him upset. He like had this big long uh, post that you know he dropped some c words and some other cuss words all throughout it. And yeah, he was not happy. He told him like he's like I'm just done with it. You know, it didn't seem like he was mad at the directors or the act, you know, other actors and stuff. And he just did not seem to care too much for the execs. So it's too bad. A little bit I've seen of him, he was pretty cool as Heatwave. So it's a shame. Yeah, I I don't know what that's all about. I wonder if we'll get the full story eventually. Ah, uh, probably not. It'll be a. Uh you know another wb type thing yeah <laughs> and then the last bit of news and this was kind of funny the shang chi poster dropped and then like right after i wrote that in i was like on the internet for a little bit more the trailer dropped and it looks pretty cool i watched it while i was driving a tractor so i didn't get the best like the best experience watching it but yeah no it looks pretty sweet did you watch it i didn't i didn't see that the trailer dropped i saw the poster and uh man i think the costume's incredible yeah the yeah, costume looks cool and like this just from this trailer first first reaction that i have for this trailer um it very much looks like what we've been saying this whole time it's like don't overthink it make it a dumb karate movie for today that's all you got to do sure if you want put in some marvel stuff like toss in some marvel buzzwords and then you're good and that's what it looks like they're doing. We'll see. But I'm hopeful. Yeah. I am going to go see it no matter what. Like, this is one that I'm pretty hyped for. I, do you think you think it's going to do any Mandarin stuff with 10 rings? Or do you think it's just going to be different? I think I think they will. Because, I mean, if you remember, and it doesn't really matter, like, if we remember things with the Marvel MCU continuity, because it's like comic book continuity. They play, they do it however they want. Yeah. But um, the they had that one tie-in thing with the Mandarin, like that um, short where it was like basically uh, Ben Kingsley being told he was going to get killed by the real Mandarin. So like, and that, and so they, you know, they they basically said Ben Kingsley wasn't a real Mandarin, so they could introduce the real Mandarin whenever they wanted to. So yeah, I mean, I. I think Iron Man 3 was like pretty good. I haven't seen it in a while, but it was just so different. And I like that they had to take him out of the suit and make him show why he's a smart guy that everyone knows him to be. But the Mandarin stuff was like very disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) And I know it was to catch everyone off guard, but man, it just like really took me out of a movie that I was really digging while watching it. Yeah. I mean, like the only upside was it was ben kingsley's acting but like at the same time it's like he could have cast an asian dude like there's not a lot of asian act like asian marvel characters and the fact that they were just like no we're gonna go with ben kingsley he's played an asian guy before gandhi yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man well i I didn't even pardon me i didn't watch that short because i 
still had the sour taste in my mouth from iron man 3 so i never even watched that whole thing i think they're all on youtube because like there was times where it was like those would only appear on the um special edition like the the 30 blu-ray versus the regular 20 blu-ray so like <laughs> i think i watched it on youtube because i'm like i'm not gonna spend 10 bucks extra just to see like that one special feature i'm not going to watch any other ones because i don't want to hear the director going well we really thought that it'd be better if in this movie that thor waved his hammer like this instead of like this and like i don't get no <laughs> come on get out of here all right is that all of our news uh, it is all our news man okay well We'll take our little ad break, and then we'll come back and talk some comics. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to our ad. Casey, what comic books did you read this week, buddy? Well, I read... Stop it. (laughs) I read Wolverine, number 11, Daredevil, number 29, Ginny Zero, number 1, Maestro number uh, Warren Pax number four, Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon number four, Batman, Urban Legends number two, Thor 14, or as I like to call it, Thor Teen, Superman number 30, and Joker number two. <laughs> okay. I knew I was forgetting one and it was Superman. I didn't read that. Oh, okay. But I did read Wonder Woman number 771. Star Wars Bounty Hunters, number 11. Batman Urban Legends, number 2. Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, number 4. Wolverine, number 11. Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow, number 1. Thor, ugh, 14. <laughs> that, it hurt to say that. Uh, and then Joker, number 2. Nice, man. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'll start with Superman um you didn't miss much i wasn't super hot on it personally so super hot i see what you did there. yeah <laughs> uh so superman number 30 it's by um philip kennedy johnson with scott guleski on the art and i really like the art it's and it's like this is one of those things where i'm gonna like the main story i don't like the way he write like I don't have a problem with the way he writes Superman. He does a great job with Superman John. It's a lot of that cool stuff. It's just like, for me personally, I don't like, uh, just don't like the story. I was kind of like, I just wasn't too interested in it, you know? So that's like, it's kind of, so to me, it's kind of funny where it's like, normally I can read a Superman story and be like, yeah, I liked it, but they kind of got Superman wrong here. No, he gets Superman. He knows what he's doing with Superman. It was just the other part that I didn't like. And then the backup story is an ambush bug story by <laughs> um, Philip Kennedy Johnson and, uh, or no, sorry, Sean Lewis and Sammy Basir on the art. And the art in it is great. And it's got ambush bug. So that's great. And, you know, he tell he basically does some crazy stuff. They're trying to figure out from the last issue, who's messing with Superman. I'm just trying to gather stuff there. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I love Ambush Bug for mostly because of Brave and the Bold. Like when I'm reading this, I'm reading it in Henry Winkler's voice. Sure. So yeah, it was pretty I'm great. I'm surprised that Keith Giffen isn't writing that character like he has since his creation. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one cool thing too that I will state, 
the next time it's gangbuster versus loose cannon and it's a different gangbuster but you remember we asked uh about gangbuster and it's crazy yeah. that that they're in it so that's neat but yeah overall wasn't super hot on the book but at least like superman's being written well so i'm gonna be giving it a seven out of ten it's still something that for the most part people should read because it's good superman right on all right i'll do spider-man spider shadow which i am very surprised you didn't get so this is written by chip zadarsky and art was done by pascal ferry and this book was super cool the whole concept is what if peter um had kept the black spider-man suit and yeah it starts with peter having some nightmares that the suit is giving him um you know he's just seeing everyone that he loves die or leave him and in this story he's like dropped out of school Things are going hot with Mary Jane or Black Cat. And because he's dropped out of school, Aunt May isn't talking to him at the moment either. And the only time Peter feels nice or like clear is when he's in the the black suit, uh, which isn't a good sign, right? Right. Um, but anyway, he uh, he's just battling some inner demons and... I won't spoil too much for those that uh, that want to read it, but there's some pretty cool Hobgoblin fights. Uh, Hobgoblin steps over a pretty big line in this book that's going to have some ramifications. And then one cool part was Peter took the suit to uh, the Fantastic Four because Reed wanted to study it since it, that's something Reed would want to do. And uh, he and Johnny are like, hey, maybe maybe you should leave the suit here while we run some more tests. And of course, Peter doesn't like that idea. So he uh, leaves there pretty quickly. And they're like, oh, boy, that's not going to be good. He goes full Smeagol, huh? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're at the end. Something big happens. And uh, Peter's just like full blown hatred mode. And it kind of warps the suit a little bit to look even cooler than it does already. Nice. And, uh, and it makes Peter cross a pretty big line too. And uh, yeah, the next issue is going to be crazy. I thought, I thought this issue was awesome. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Nice man. Yeah. I only real reason I didn't is because like, I'll say like, I'm a, just in general, I'm like a seven, like just pretty cool on Spider-Man, you know, where it's like, yeah. And it's like, I do love Chirpy, but it's just like, eh, I don't know. It's just another book that won't matter. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you enjoy it, who cares? Right. Cause anymore, yeah, enough, man. it doesn't matter anyways. People are going to do what they want. That's a dang old fact. <laughs> and, and speaking of, chip sadarsky i read daredevil number 29 if you can't tell from my shirt i like daredevil and this is by uh chip sadarsky and marco chichetto on the art and daredevil got poisoned the last issue uh in jail daredevil not electra daredevil and so then he beats up he fights a bunch of people while electra is like basically the the new kingpin of hell's kitchen is like having people steal not steal but like get protection money 
from you know from them and so Electra sees that's going on and like first off I need to find this picture because like it made me laugh when it happened she's got her size but they're billy clubs so like they look like size but she throws them like Matt throws the billy clubs and there's no point at the end so like it just breaks the dude's nose and it's hilarious <laughs> gotta find this really quick yeah so there you can kind of see it Dang, that looks brutal. <laughs> yeah. And her costume is still the coolest. But yeah. so, yeah, she like does this and she tells she tells him she's like, you're robbing, you know, you are this you're the strong and you're taking from the weak. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to pay me protection. You owe me thirty thousand dollars if you want to come back in Hell's Kitchen. And she took the thousand dollars that they stole and she hands it back to the guy like this thousand's going to do for now. But if you ever want to come back here, you owe me 29 more. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. So yeah, so she's doing that stuff and there's some stuff going on with Mike Murdoch, Matt's twin brother that kind of appeared out of magic and yeah, you know, a lot of stuff's going on. I'm, I'm really liking it. I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. I love this book. Alrighty. It was a very chip heavy week this week. It's a, it's like me whenever I'm like, I'm going to start my diet right now. That's just a chip heavy week. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. um, Next I'll do star Wars bounty hunters. Number 11, which has just the neatest cover. Look at that. Ooh, I like that a lot. I had his toy as a kid before I knew he killed Wookiees. (laughs) So I picked this up because it's an all Bosque issue and it was pretty neat. Bosque is thrown into a, what, what was that story where they hunt people? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, most dangerous game. Most dangerous game. It was like that. Um, and Bosque is there with a couple other slaves and he's like, some of you, maybe one of you will get out of here if you follow every you know command I give you, but uh, I'm getting out of here. So the whole issue is mostly just Bosk showing why he's one of the most dangerous bounty hunters in the galaxy. It's just him killing people and setting up ambushes and fighting other aliens, and it's just pretty awesome. Uh, and then at the end... We find out that uh, that it was all for. Gosh, I'm gonna sound like such a poser Star Wars fan. Um, Job of the Hutt's Twi'lek guy that stands with them and translates. I'm totally blanking on his name. I know who you're talking about, but <clears throat> anyway, I have no idea. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, so yeah, he's like, "Hey, good job doing that thing." Um, but we, we have another important mission. Bib Fortuna. That's what it is. It just came to me. Anyway. Uh, and then it cuts to a couple of the other bounty hunters. Dengar and guy that's got half cyborg face. I have no idea what his name is. And uh, Half cyborg face, man. Dude. Valance. Valance is his name. Oh, I was close. And uh, Valance is like, all right, Dengar, you and me. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go capture Han Solo. And Dengar's like, "Are you crazy? If we get in Bobo's way, he's gonna be real upset." He's like, "I don't care. We're doing it anyway." And then, uh, yeah, next issue, they're gonna go after Han. 
So it was pretty cool. I just, I read this for like, you know, the dumb, this was like a fast and the furious movie in comic form, right? It was, it was stupid fun. And I knew exactly what I was getting into and it was enjoyable. So eight out of 10, I, I did not read the, the uh, creative team. The writer was Ethan Sachs and the art was done by Paolo Villanelli. Nice dude. Yeah. I'm always, I'm just always cheery whenever you have a good star Wars book. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Me too. It's it's a nice feeling. Okay, so next up for me is I'm actually I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about Jenny Zero because it got recalled. Well, uh, I sent it out before I heard about the recall. Whoopsie. Yeah. No, I mean like because I guess it's being re-released on in May, so I don't know if uh if I, if I should be uh reviewing it. What do you say? I say go for it. All right. I mean, what is 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 the the publisher listening to us right now? I don't think so. It'd be funny if they were, and they're like, <laughs> I, "We listen to every single comic book podcast, just in case." But uh, hey, if they want it back, just sell it on eBay real quick because it's it was like twenty five bucks the other day. Oh dang! Um, so yeah, Jenny Zero, number one by uh, Dave Duconch and Brockton McKinney, and art by Magneta King. Here's the cover. The cover is extraordinary. Not going to lie. I love this cover. And so, yeah, you get this girl who's like kind of a dirtbag. I mean, just the way she's doing stuff. Like she had some celebrity. And so she's like out at the bars, just getting drunk, doing drugs and sleeping around and uh, all this other stuff. And then like she gets talked into um, taking up her old job, which was killing monsters and the way it ends, it's like, oh, dang, this sets up for a fun thing. So it makes me mad that the next issue's on sale in May when the first issue's supposed to come out. So I don't think that's going to be a thing anymore. But I liked it a lot. And it's like, it's one of those things where it was kind of up in the air up until about the ending because it's like they kind of, it's one of those things where the character is supposed to be like, I don't know how, if this person can do this because they make them you know kind of like a dirtbag basically or just a loser or whatever and so like yeah it's pretty cool i would recommend it when it comes out you should read it i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten nice i'm glad that it was good all right next i'm gonna do wonder woman number 771 and this was written by michael w conrad and becky clunan with art done by travis moore All right. This issue starts with Wonder Woman talking to Thor in a mead hall. And she's like, hey, don't you know that like Asgard is totally messed up right now and all this crazy stuff's going on and the world tree's dying and your uh, your warriors aren't coming back to Valhalla once they die in these fights every night. And Thor is just like, you know, not really my problem. We'll just uh, we'll fill those warrior seats with new warriors when they die and uh, goes back to drinking. And so Wonder Woman leaves with her little talking squirrel friend and they decide that they're just going to go to the world tree and figure stuff out on their own. So on the way there, they run into Merc elves, which are kind of like dark elves in D&D. They live underground and 
only come out to attack people that are passing by their little caves. So uh, that's a pretty neat fight scene. And Wonder Woman discovers that their weapons have similar uh, craftsmanship to other dwarven weapons. So I was like, huh, that's a weird thing to say in one panel and not touch on anymore. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll come back around to that. Um, but anyway, Wonder Woman goes underground because she needs um, some weapons made by the dwarves. And she finds Dr. Psycho there, which I thought was kind of strange. And he says that he is there via astral projection and he makes weapons to give to people in the real world, I guess. And once they start using the weapons, they fall under his like mind control, basically. Uh, but anyway, Wonder Woman just gets some info out of him and goes on her merry way. And they go down to the roots of the world tree, Yggdrasil, where... Nidhogg is there. Nidhogg is this big uh, serpent that's trapped in the roots of Yggdrasil. And she's like, hey, I need the key to the Valkyrie Fortress. And they say that you have it. He's like, I do have it, but I ate it and I'm not going to give it back to you. And the squirrel's like, wait a second. I know that the thing you want most is to eat the egg of an eagle that sits on top of the world tree. And Nidhogg's like, yeah, I do. If you'll get me one of those eggs, I will exchange it for the key that you want. So then Wonder Woman climbs all the way up Yggdrasil and the eagle's like, I already knew you were coming. I had a friend tell me, um, I've got five eggs here. I'll give you one of them because I want Nidhogg, you know, out of the tree or whatever. And if this will help, save the tree that I live on, I'm going to do it. So she takes the egg back down and the little squirrel friend is like, you need to get inside the egg so that when he swallows it, you can break out and find the key because we don't trust Nidhogg. It's like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So the squirrel rolls the egg down into Nidhogg's lair and Nidhogg eats the egg. And then he says, uh, good job. Ratatosk, <clears throat> which is the squirrel's name. He's like, I, I knew our plan with the eagle would work. And, um, you know, you're going to be rewarded for this. And then it says to be continued. So I really don't know what's going on here. It is very much like Norse mythology, which I appreciate yeah. very much. Like if I'd have just replaced Wonder Woman with some, you know, shield maiden, this would have been a pretty awesome Norse mythology story. Yeah. Um, so it's super cool. Nobody knows who to trust here in Asgard while all this is going down. So I don't know if the squirrel is being a double agent or what. But it was crazy fun. And the art is so, so good. So, you know. I'm loving this. For me, it was a 10 out of 10. Like, I I just loved it. It's Norse mythology. It's Wonder Woman. It, it's like this was made for me. So Nice, man. It. So I'm, I'm going to say one thing. And this has had me, like, cracking up quietly to myself while you're talking about it. The part with the eagle and getting the egg and stuff, I 100% thought of, I think it's almost Heroes, the Chris Farley, Matthew, uh, <laughs> brought, not matthew uh perry movie yeah and like i just picture wonder woman like climbing it up the first time and like as she's sitting at the camp getting hungry and, like cracks the egg like every time she goes up there that she does the same face that farley would go, oh, 
and right. the eagle attacks her and oh. dude i actually quoted that movie this morning because i went <laughs> golfing and there was geese like getting in our ways so i yelled and you'll have to bleep me here but when he goes go away you <laughs> birds <laughs> <laughs> So it's funny that that movie has come up twice in the same yeah. day. How'd you do at golf? How'd you do, by the way? Oh, terribly. Yeah. But the weather was amazing, and I still had fun. So You had to, you had to get in there before the snow. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, next is Maestro, Warren Packs, number four. And this is by um, Peter David and Javier Pena on the art. And... So yeah, there's a little bit of Dr. Doom in this and I didn't really like the way Dr. Doom was written. He seemed a little bit a little bit like there's a few screws loose in his armor in his helmet, if you know what I mean. And so uh, the, like Maestro's dealing with the uh, Pantheon. He becomes a little bit stronger in this. I don't know anything about the Pantheon. I'm not going to lie. But it's like a, I was reading about it online. It's a, very much a Peter David um like team that he made up for so it's like that's why he's kind of putting him back in here and yeah this one i didn't really like near as much as some of these other maestro ones this is still better than uh anything al ewing's wrote but it's just i don't know i wasn't super hot on this issue it was just kind of it's i get why they're doing it though because it, it very much does show like maestro like that version of the whole taking more control over the bruce banner side because you know he talks to banner for a little bit in the head and it's like you know kind of just making him get more control because it's like banner or them kind of a green on stuff more than it was before so in that way it's it's good uh but i think i just don't care about the pantheon that's my main problem so yeah, for me it's gonna be a six out of ten, but I'm still like invested in the universe. Fair enough. And then I think we're yeah, the last five we read. So nice, which you is wanna... exciting. Yeah, you wanna you wanna come up with the order that we're gonna do it in now? Sure. Let's do Wolverine, Iron Fist. Urban Legends, Thor, Joker, dude, that's hilarious. That's actually the like how I had it stacked. Oh, we are just so in sync. I know. Tell me why. <laughs> um, was that in sync or was that Backstreet Boys? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Oh, that was in sync. That was bye bye. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but no, I I like that. This is one of the first times that we have more Marvel than DC that we're reading together. It, it might be the only time case who knows <laughs> so okay wolverine and this is by um i'm gonna find the creative team because they put it in weird spots okay it's ben percy and scott eaton okay yeah what you said uh <laughs> what was your initial thoughts though here's the thing you've been telling me to pick this up for a while and i was always like i'll get to it because i know i'll like it i'll get to it but then I see the cover of this one, Casey, and it's got Wolverine, Dracula, and Omega Red on it. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I did too. I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed because it's like, I don't know. I think it's mostly because it's the start of a new arc. But that last arc, it was like, where like this one's like 
oh yeah wolverine fighting vampires which is awesome it's like if wolverine's fighting vampires i want blade there for one and two like the last one was like him doing secret agent stuff which is like a completely different type of thing and so it's like i just kind of wish it was like that's what i was like already getting into so like now this is like a completely like different shift but i still like it but i'm like man blade needs to be here right i feel that it did you know it did feel like they were setting some stuff up so um i i get that uh and somebody else had mentioned that they thought the pacing was slow but i mean i thoroughly enjoyed it i i'm really curious what all is going to happen with omega red yeah Um, but i didn't even realize that this whole like vampire nation stuff was going on like no, I didn't they're like I their didn't, whole community over here. Yeah, I didn't know until like they briefly said it in King and Black. And then I was like, oh, this is a thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it because I I read Curse of the Mutants in like 2010. Um, I, I was collecting those when I was going to Carbondale and was loving them. So this is kind of like a nostalgic thing for me. Uh, but it, it was cool. Dracula, you know, seems like he's pulling a lot of strings here. I don't know what all he's doing. And then uh, they're really hinting at Wolverine uh, shagging up with this vampire hunter lady who I have never heard of before, but she looks cool. Yeah, I've never heard of her before, but there's a lot of stuff from like random Wolverine comics that I don't know about. So there's a good chance that she's been around for a while. And we just didn't know about her. But there was one line from Wolverine in here that I need to find because I loved it. I thought that was I thought it was kind of perfect. Um, oh, you said it. You're like because they're talking about he's like questioning basically everything X Force is doing, and so you know, um, Beast is like, "Why are you always questioning me?" And he goes, "You said it yourself. X Force is the equivalent of the mutant CIA. Nobody's questioning you. You might think you don't have to answer to nobody." I'm like. That's pretty perfect because, you know, the CIA knows they don't have to answer nobody. So <laughs> that doesn't always work out. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Beast because I like Beast a lot. It's always cool to see him pop up. And yeah, stuff. for sure. It's weird having him be the head of the X, you know, the mutant CIA, though. <laughs> yeah, because he was sure. like adamantly against the X-Force when it first popped up, wasn't he? Yeah. I, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's going to depend on the writer. Like, like they're not going to keep the same continuity after all these well, years. And it's, it's also different now since they are their own, like, it's not like the school anymore. It's their own Island, you know, their own nation basically. So like, it makes sense why he wouldn't be as against it. And like, also when a lot of times when people are against something, that they're not in head, you know, in charge of. Right. You know, so like there's plenty of reasons, especially someone like Beast who's really smart. He could easily be like, oh, I'm really against it because I don't get a say. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I did really like the whole thing where they need Wolverine's blood to like make Daywalker vampires. Like I yeah. think that's pretty cool. Cause normally it's like, why like why Wolverine? But they throw mm-hmm. that in and it's like, oh, okay, well, at least that can make sense. Yeah, no, that was a really neat idea. But there's like, I mean, I'm just going to say this. I'm not saying I want him in this book, but they could easily just toss Deadpool in or Sabretooth, you know? It's like, 
Heck, if they had Sabretooth, no one would miss them. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Blade does show up, though. Because yeah. like you said, if you want anybody in a book like this, it's definitely Blade. Especially because he was at the end of King and Black. So Yeah, and then it's also like, you remember that book that came out, like I think a year ago, it was Blade and Wolverine. That was just the name of the book. That's all they had to call it, and it was awesome. Yep. Well, I guess we'll find out huh, if this is just the start of the arc. Yeah. Uh, final rating? Oh, um, probably like, I don't know. I, I can't find anything that I dislike, so I guess like a nine. All right. I'm going to go eight because like I wanted something a little bit different, and they didn't give it to me. <laughs> but no, like all in all, I liked it. It was just like, it's just the start of an arc. So, you know, it is what it is. So I can't wait to see Omega Red kill some vampires because you know it's coming and that's going to look super cool. He's just one of the coolest ex-villains ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So next we'll do Iron Fist. Heart of the Dragon number four. This is written by Larry Hama and art by Dave Wachter. Wachter, I barely even knew her. Anyway, what were your initial thoughts on this? I really liked it. I I love the art. Um, just I'm really liking where the story is going. I like how this team's kind of building up, and that ending was wild. And I don't this character that's at the beginning. I don't recognize her at all. And I've read a good bit of Iron Fist, so I don't know who she is. I'll tell you, Casey, because I had to research her today. Also, not knowing who she was. <laughs> She was like a big part of Kari Andrews' Iron Fist in like 2012, the one that neither of us could get into. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she's from. Uh, I gotcha. Her parents, or at least her dad, or one of, one of her parents was in the same plane crash as Danny's parents. And then uh, her mom died and she just like spent her whole life to get revenge on danny for some reason like the the, i was reading a really not great bio about her yeah and uh, then she ended up falling in love with him for a little bit and then decided to really get back at him she'd make him fall in love with her and then she'd kill herself clearly that didn't happen because here she is but uh yeah that's who brenda swanson is anyway i'm real curious what I, how do you how do you pronounce her name? A, Okoye. Yeah, it's o- Okoye. I, yeah, I just go with go with your your heart and. Okay. Well, if anyone knows how, feel free to let me know. But, uh, spoiler alert: she kills two dragons in this, and I'm sure there's going to be some reason, like the dragon that's in the the heart of heaven wanted her to, or something to fulfill some prophecy. But yeah. Uh, but man. It uh, as much as I sure didn't like the design of Spider Dragon, uh, it was still kind of sad to see it die because it was like following the group to because they were like, We'll protect you, and then yeah, Okoye is just like, Nah, I'm gonna kill this one too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, like, when I, when I was reading that, like, that's gotta be nightmare fuel for you. It's like, it's like what's worse than a spider oh i don't know a giant dragon spider or maybe the dragon <laughs> part of it makes you like it more i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean i it made it look 
like really cool though i'll say that yeah but yeah it, it was still a really cool issue i do like all the team members it's cool to see them all have their like one panel of fame you know during the yeah. big fight scene uh but this has been pretty awesome it really has the only downside of this whole series and it's not really a downside because it's like these are all characters in iron fist so like having them be a part of it works but it's like you could easily just call this like iron fist and friends you know like because it doesn't feel just like a state you know an uh, iron fist only book which i'm fine with because he works better with you know the group of guys and you know group of people but it's like we need misty in there i know this this really doesn't feel like an iron fist book they're just all these events are taking place in iron fist type places so yeah like Based on this issue and seeing the cover for the next issue, it's an Okoye series, you know, because he uh, Iron Fist isn't really the focus here. Yeah, and and I'm like I said, I'm kind of fine with that right now. I think it, at the end of the day, he's gonna be the one that gets this, you know, the saving blow, and that's all that really matters. And especially with Iron Fist books anymore, you know, like he's got all these like really cool characters around him, and he's kind of just. He's which he's what brings you in, so you can see Bride and Nine Spiders and Fat Cobra, because you're not going to be buying their book by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I think you did actually. Yep, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final score. I'd give it a nine out of ten. I really liked it. Okay, it's uh, it's probably like a seven for me. As okay. much as I did enjoy it, like I said, it doesn't it. I just wish they'd call it something different because it's really not an Iron Fist book at this point. Yeah, I think I just don't think they they couldn't sell it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. I totally get it. And overall, I'm still loving the series. I just yeah. want to see how it how it plays out. So next up is Batman Urban Legend. Uh, what'd you think of this? So I loved the oracle story the most but i did really like the red hood story too um outsiders was fine and i just kind of skimmed grifter because i just as much as i think he's neat i just can't really get into any of these backups featuring grifter too much really so that's kind of funny like oracle is probably my least favorite mostly due to the art so like really quick we'll go insane well really quick we'll go we'll go through uh red hood and batman and cheer as by Zadarsky with Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira and Julio Ferreira on the art. Oracle in Ghost in the Machine by Cecil Castellucci. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. And Margaret Savage on art and colors. The Outsiders and The Caretaker Part 2 of 3 by Brandon Thomas and Max Dunbar. And then Grifter in The Long Con with Matthew Rosenberg and Ryan Benjamin. And so, yeah, well, we'll just start with Oracle since I'm insane. Uh, no, I just, I mostly it's the colors, like the main, the, the pencils themselves are fine. It's just, I don't like the colors. And then also I have a feeling if we showed this to someone with any computer knowledge, you know, not us, but any like actual computer knowledge, they'd be like, this is all nonsense. Like this doesn't make any sense at all. And maybe it does. Maybe the, you know, they, they knew what they were talking about, but like, she just makes a suit with her sewing machine that 
can hack into stuff or whatever but <laughs> dude it's comic books it's batman like come on <laughs> so how can you not like that that is a stunning page dude look at her face and her hair uh, doesn't do much for me well what, whatever like i think <laughs> like i said awesome. i think i think the main art it it's fine but the colors just throw me that's the, my main problem with it I think but, the story is fun too. Like she's she's fighting this person who is, you know, cleverly named Virus, <laughs> Vivian Ross, Virus. Um, but yeah, just watching her like outsmart this lady while using Stephanie, Cassandra, and Dick to you know check up on stuff. It's just like that's what Oracle would do, and you know those three would be happy to help out. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I really liked it. It was fun. I think the uh, I think the art was amazing. That was a big <laughs> thing for me. And I, I hope that this continues to be a thing because I, I really, really enjoyed it. One thing that I will say that I really like about it is like I will like th this part right here, just as far as like it's cool that they can have story like basically Oracle battling her, but just through computers like that that yeah. was that's a really neat idea this is this story like i said it didn't do much for me i what would you get right out of 10 we'll just uh -oh. do each at a time and then we'll do the main you know book as a whole uh nine yeah see like i give this a six it i think it was fine but uh we'll hop on over to the red hood and batman story and yeah so this has kind of got some angst and edge from jason in it and he does some you know like the coolest part in my opinion in this one it's the part when they're like oh you know like the the crooks are all in the van together and then batman shows up and it's like you know this part when he's like at the alley and then walking down like the lights all starts turning out then he starts talking to him they're like oh we're not afraid and all this other stuff and like that was such an awesome Batman moment that you don't like that's something that would be in the movies that you don't get in the comics anymore because like they're too busy dealing with like Joker for that to actually happen. It's like seeing this here, it was so cool, and I can't wait for it to you know happen in a movie now that someone's gonna steal this from. Yeah, for sure. Like anytime there's a gun blast or like a flash of light, that's when you see Batman, and it's yeah, it's awesome. And then you get a lot of uh, Jason talking to Barbara. And I keep thinking in my head, in the back of Jason's head, he's like, she doesn't love me as much as she loves Grayson. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, nobody has touched on three three Jokers here. Well, yeah, because of the fact that he said that he would pretend like it never happened if she didn't see the note and she didn't see the or if she you know didn't wasn't interested. Dude, I'm pretending like it didn't happen either. <laughs> but yeah i mean this is pretty interesting there's just a lot of a lot of angst and a lot of edge like you better be careful when you're reading this because you might cut yourself on, on this edge yeah. but i I'd, I'd probably give this one i'm gonna be a little critical of it and i'm probably gonna give it a seven out of ten um yeah that's kind of where i'm at with it too because jason you know is trying to take care of this kid and we all know that that's that's not how this is gonna go down mm -hmm. um and his little moment with Batman is kind of what we've seen in Under the Red Hood and other stuff. So, like, it was a it was a totally fine issue. It's just 
kind of what we already know about Batman and Red Hood at this point. It's just and, a different situation. And the first issue is way better. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, like when you're setting stuff up in the first issue and then you can't meet or exceed that, it does kind of hurt. Yeah. All right. So then next is the outsiders uh, and the caretaker. And I like this one a lot, uh, but I was also a big fan of the outsiders and you got Katana, you know, her, her husband's soul is out of the sword because her and Jefferson have been getting a little cozy and you get metamorpho who doesn't love metamorpho uh, people who are dead inside. Don't love metamorpho. I love dead metamorpho. So yeah, seeing him and have him kind of give Jefferson some crap about him and Katana. That was pretty great. So I really enjoyed this. And I mean, for me, it's probably, probably an eight. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go seven. Yeah. Yeah, There was, there was nothing to really like blow me away or hate on lots of Katana, which is, is always cool. Uh, And the art was really, really good. Oh yeah. That's one thing I didn't mention. It was good. And then, uh, yeah, lastly with the grifter, I really, I actually loved the grifter story. I thought it was really cool seeing some of the different stuff and like, people keep ending up dying. It's like, is Grifter murdering these people? Or because he'd said he didn't know who uh, the, you know, the free uh, Mrs. Freeze that ended up dead. He didn't know who she was. And so it's like, is that a lie? Is he doing this? Is what what's going on there? Uh, and the way this one ends, Toy Man's dead. Spoiler alert. So it's like, wonder what's going on. That You know, wonder what's going on here. I'm all in. I like Grifter. I think he looks cool. And yeah, it's pretty neat. So yeah, for I, me, uh, that, this would be like an eight and a half. Right on. I did. Uh, I did think the art was cool, and I skimmed it. I just didn't give it like a proper read. I thought that the at that last page, the little sticky note he left on Jason's head was super funny. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It. It. I skimmed it. It just didn't look as interesting to me as some of these others, but. Maybe I need to give it a proper read if you really liked it that much. And but I've I've kind of been a fan of Grifter for a long while since like Future State. So maybe it's <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean he was great when we got him in the Joker War stuff. Yeah, no, like in that, it's just like he's one of those characters where I remember watching him on the Wild was it Wildcats? maybe i don't know there was a cartoon on that was the wild storm characters and it had i think it was wildcats okay because there was like it was him then you had like maul and then you had um a bunch of other characters i don't remember the names of but yeah it was so i have no remember from that but i never he wasn't my favorite because he wasn't the big muscular guy so i didn't like him but i like him now (laughs) all right Moving on to Thor, uh, number 14. Thor Teen, as Casey there we go. called it. This was written by Donnie Cates and art by Nick Klein. This was the finale of the Prey arc. Casey, how do you think it ended? Uh, I thought it was a really, really cool ending. Like, you know, I mean, it's still one of those things where, like, I'm a little salty about this story because, like, I don't see how it connects to Matt fractions run where he brought donald back at all but other than that i really like this yeah it was neat to see him uh 
use the help of everybody that's here you know uh, dr strange has to has to help out and restrain and um the better rebuild part oh i know it was awesome so awesome and i i loved the um klein's art as well yeah now i have i have a question because i'm looking at it now i didn't understand it when i read it and i just kind of read it last night when i was half asleep so i was like i'll i'll relook at it and i still don't quite get it so better rebuild's got the hammer and um odin's about to kill donald he's got this thing and then loki really quick makes the staff tosses it to thor thor slams it down turns back into Thor from the armor and he has his hammer now. How does Loki have that power to be able to do that? To do which part? To make the staff that could, that could then transform into Mjolnir. Oh. Um, I guess that's not how I read that. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Because uh, that's just how I got it. Because it didn't make any sense that he was able to just conjure that up, get it, and then smash down the staff. And oh, he's got the hammer now, and he's back turned back into Thor. I know. I think, I think Thor took the hammer from Bill. Oh, okay. Um, because I don't, I don't see that Bill has it in any other panels. Yeah, um, not that you really see Bill, but I, I thought that uh, that he was throwing that. Uh, the, that staff as a because because they were gonna like trap him back inside of it or something like that. That's what I thought was gonna happen, but then that doesn't happen. So <laughs> wasn't sure what was you know. Yeah, it doesn't really show where the where the staff is. It's not in Thor's other hand that I can see. Yeah, well, because I mean, he used it. Maybe okay. Here, here. Th- this is not probably what people want to hear, but maybe. It Loki made it the same way Odin made the original staff that housed Thor. So then he tossed it to the destroyer armor, destroyer armor, and then that's why it's Thor again. You know, Thor took the place of the destroyer armor. And then he said, Better a bill, give it to me. He took the hammer back. Yeah, it, it might be. I mean, we, we see him toss it, uh, and then Thor catches it. But then we see the hammer fly over there too, so we we see him catch the staff and then call the okay. hammer. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, basically, Thor is like, "Well, you're not in charge, Odin. I am, and I didn't really ask you to be here, even though we needed him to be there for the time." Um, but I really, really like how they wrapped this up with Donald, where Loki's like, "I think I know a place where we can keep him." And it's where Loki was kept for the longest time, which is where he's chained to a big old rock and uh, a snake is over the top of him, dripping poison down on his head. And he's supposed to be like that forever. Clearly, Loki didn't last that long. Um, yeah. But, but it's still a fitting prison. So the poison will just drip into his eyes until who knows what, till they need Donald Blake again. Yeah, but, until the next person that doesn't pay attention to this series wants to bring right. him back. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but Loki proclaimed him the new god of lies, so I wonder if they will do anything with that in the future. Because Loki does seem like he's trying to change, but 
I've seen that before, um, and it never lasts, so who knows. But I have a feeling it's going to be like when Lex Luthor tried to change. It's like, yeah, until the next writer. Yeah, well, that could be too. <laughs> I mean, they've kind of been working towards this for a while. Whenever Kieran Gillen was writing him as a kid, he tried to change and stuff like that. So yeah, they just... The writers don't stay long enough to to make a difference. Like the last one was Jason Aaron, who wrote the character for like eight years, but not not Loki, of course. Loki was a part of it, but yeah, I think I mean, I think it helps that Tom Hiddleston <laughs> plays Loki, and he actually likes playing Loki. So then, like everyone loves him. So it's just like we can't keep this guy evil forever because literally we have one of the most charismatic people on the earth playing him. Right. Well, the thing is, is he doesn't have to be good. He just has to be chaotic. Yeah. And based on the D&D scale, right? Like you can be chaotic and not be evil. So he just has to be entertaining. And he always is. Like if Loki's involved, it's not going to be a dull story. Yeah, it shouldn't be. As a D&D nerd, would you say Loki is chaotic neutral now or good? Oh, chaotic neutral for sure. Um, I think like Disney plus TV show Loki will probably be chaotic. Good. Unless they use this as him like reclaiming power. And then he's the villain for like after love and thunder, which would be pretty cool. Um, But yeah, I I would say chaotic neutral. He, whatever he's going to do in this show is going to be for Loki and, and nobody else, no matter what, uh, anybody else who is in charge of Loki thinks is happening. Yeah. Okay, man. Now, next is two jokers. What, what would you rate it? Oh, sorry. Um, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I really liked it. I'm also at a 9 on that one. All right. So next up is two jokers or the joker number two. And this is by uh, Tynan and... Um, oh... What's what's the right artist's name? Aguia March. Yeah, March. And I really liked it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just Commissioner Gordon kind of being a sly old old man. Like Batman's, you know, Batman's trying to tell him what what to do, and he's giving him his thing, you know, what he wants. And I actually tweeted this to Tynan, and he didn't respond. So this is I'm going to bring it up on the pod because I think it's funny. Um. Batman's like, you want access to the back computer? And then later on, and then like, you know, Gordon says yes, and he says everything else, and then he's like, I'm not done. I need to be able to reach you. And then Batman goes, you want my phone number? And he's like, you're dang right. But I just love the fact that he calls it his back computer, but he won't call it his bat phone. And we we look for different stuff when we read these. <laughs> well, no, it's just it's just funny to me because it's just like you're a grown man calling it a bat computer. <laughs> that's his. It's that's its name, right? It's essentially a living thing at this point. I know it's just it's just hilarious to me that it's like Gordon, you're you're a detective who has a grown man in his pajamas in your house talking about his bat computer. <laughs> <laughs> Who's taking it very seriously? So let's talk about the big bombshell that happened, though, right? Yeah, Jim sitting uh, there sipping his coffee, and he says, <laughs> "Are you sure you're not just worried about your old man, Barbara?" 
And of course, and Batman, everyone's then Batman's like, I'm not Barbara. You have to stop doing that. It's deafening. All right. You're going to blow the speakers out of uh, everyone's devices. Sorry. But uh, no, because like, yeah, Barbara or Oracle comes in. She's talking about how, oh, he never, like, because basically uh, Batman says, I'm not going to do the voice this time. You're welcome. But he's like, I need you to promise me that you won't go up against him alone. And then Gordon goes, that makes sense to me. Then later on, then Oracle jumps in and she goes, uh, yes, I just want to put the it out, uh, put it on the record that this is a stupid idea, and Commissioner Gordon is going to get himself killed. I also want to point out that he didn't promise that promise you that he'd let you bring the Joker in. He just said that it made sense to do that, and then that's when he drops the bombshell because it was he's like and like he's got the the best look on his face because he knows what he's doing, and it he's got you know he's got that little little grin on he's his face, meme, right? He's the yeah, meme of a kid with yeah. a mug. <laughs> so it's you know it's pretty great and it also makes sense right i mean yeah after all these years he's a smart guy he's a good detective a good cop he's gonna know that that's his kid yeah and then <laughs> like the only downside to it and i like that tynan worked this in but he had to work in because like a lot of writers now would have just been like no i'm gonna ignore the crappy stuff that happened in Batgirl that I didn't like. And this he actually worked in. He had Batgirl ask him like about, well, what'd you say? What about, did you know when you said this? And he's like, I did. I was just mad. It's like, it's not, it's like a cop out, but it still worked. And I still liked it. Yeah. I mean, Tynan really gets these characters. Yeah. I know, I know he, we, we toot his horn often on this show, but I mean, it's deserving. I agree. What did you think of uh, the Lady Bane? Um... I mean, I think it drove sales for this issue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, don't I know think that she'll stick around, but we'll see. I have a real, real good feeling that she's going to be a real bane in the neck. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you want to talk about the big reveal at the end of who that lady was? Yeah, let's do it. Who does she work for, Casey? She's working for the Court of Owls. So it's neat having them back. Because, like, honestly, they've people, other people have tried to write them since Snyder, and it didn't work, in my opinion. And I think Tynan's gonna, because, like, Tynan, let's be honest, Tynan is the spiritual successor to Snyder, <laughs> in all honesty. And, like, they're good enough friends, and they work together enough that, like, he should 100% be able to get these characters right, get this, you know, whole thing going good. So, this shouldn't be a concern. And so I'm really excited about that. Yep, I agree. I think it's cool that the that the lady is like, time to finally teach the Joker to beware the Court of Owls. So it's like, okay, villain versus villain is always pretty fun. And let's be real, the Court of Owls has a lot of resources in Gotham. So should be pretty neat. Should be, man. Oh, and the next is the punchline story. And you're dealing with, uh, it starts off with the old, uh, is it a queen of spades or whatever? Or like who, the, the high ranking royal flush gang lady who just got her butt kicked in the last issue and no one wanted to help her is all mad. And she's talking about calling in backup. And then, then it goes to like Bluebird looking at all these me, um, like basically TikTokers talk about how they used to know punchline. And then she's meeting up with, 
one of her old punchline's old friends and then it ends with orca who's ace gonna you know she's gonna mess with punchline and you know i mean punchline's record so far orca is gonna get her butt kicked (laughs) should she no no i will say one thing that i did really appreciate because normally in comic books you have someone lifting weights and it's like Bruce Wayne's lifting 2000 pounds and it's nothing, you know, like he's doing it for reps without a bench shirt on. And then this one, she's lifting real weights for a girl, her size, <laughs> like she's doing like 95 pounds. And it's just like, thank you. That's what someone her size would lift. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Finally, some, some comic book accuracy. Yeah. I'm actually, we didn't say the artist's name on this. So We'll have to do that really quick. Um, it's written by Sam Johns and James Tyne on the art and Merca Andolfo. Merca Andolfo clearly lifts weights. They know what they're doing. <laughs> so what would you rate uh, the second Joker? Um, like 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 10. I really enjoyed this book and been really, really loving it so far, even though I think... The uh, five ninety nine, you know, price is gonna get it canceled, <laughs> yeah. but you know, we'll see. All right, well, let's discuss what we're excited for next week. Okay, so first off, for me, I'm gonna say I'm not okay. First off, I'm gonna say I don't think it's gonna be good, but the Godzilla monsters and protectors. I have a feeling it's gonna be bad. But I'm excited for it because this is the first Godzilla book in a while. And then I will say uh, Ultra Mega. I really loved that the last time it came out. It was one of my favorite books. And um, what else did I tell you I wanted? Um, Ultraman. No, not Ultraman. That's just kind of one I get because it's Ultraman. <laughs> um, oh, there was one that I was like, oh, this would be really cool. I can't remember what I'm he looking does, at. Like Layla Stars was on Yeah, there. that's one. That one I'm really excited about. It's by Ram V. I didn't know he was actually like, uh, I Googled him like, huh, Ram V's doing a one of the creator, not really creator owned because it's through Boom, but whatever they call you know, like one where he has a lot more creative say on it. Heck yeah, sign me up. What about you, man? Uh, I'm going to say Jim Henson Storyteller Tricksters, number two. Probably, uh, I'll say Nightwing, because I really like that last issue. And then it's it's a toss-up between Lady Baltimore Witch Queens or Kojikaru the Skinner, because both are like the Hellboy-type books, and those have just yeah. been a blast lately. I've been liking those, so there you go. I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about the Kojikaru, because I was like on the fence about getting it. I was like, ah, I won't. But I was like, it, it could be cool. I hope so. Not, like None of these have let me down yet, so until one does, I'm just going to keep picking them up. Right on, man. That's a good way to be. Okay. So is there any trivia that you got? There isn't. I figured we're going to ramble so long on these comics that I'm just going to skip it. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. So 
Fantastic Four today. I was just thinking in my head, I was thinking about uh, the Exiles and how Blink from the Exile is like, if I ever wanted to sound like a hipster and talk about like a character that I really liked, she's like the perfect hipster character to like, like she's pretty obscure. You never really heard of her before. And I was just thinking, that's a really good question. Give me your four favorite, you know, hipster characters that you have. Okay. It, this is like tricky because being a couple of comic book nerds, none of these characters feel like that obscure because we like them and we talk about them and we read them. Right. Yeah. But after a little bit of thought, I'm going to go with Sportsmaster because I've never heard a single other person say, oh, Sportsmaster, I like that character. He's cool, but he is cool. <laughs> um, then next, Dan the Dynamite. He, I think he has cool powers where he puts his rings together and then he can throw like exploding punches. He's a Golden I've Age I've never character. heard of that guy. <laughs> well, if you've read James Robinson's The Golden Age, he is in that Oh, okay. Um, but he's, I think that's a pretty neat concept that hasn't really gone anywhere since the golden age. Um, next is long shot. Cause I wanted to do a couple Marvel characters too. I love long shot and he has just always been in obscurity. I feel. And then Elsa bloodstone, because I am all about that. Like Van Helsing monster hunter type stuff. And She's kind of the queen of it as far as Marvel Comics goes. So. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. See, like back before the Netflix or the Disney Plus shows announced, you had like one of your your all time favorites was already like the hipster character. You had Moon Knight. I know, like, but he's he's too mainstream now. I know. <laughs> like anymore, it's just like you go, hey, I like Moon Knight. Now you have to go, I like the sane Moon Knight. So you sound extra, you know, obscure know. about it. I know I'm always like like people like kids will come in well I say kids like high school kids will come in and look for Moon Knight and I'm like well have you guys read Mark Spector Moon Knight from the 80s it's like the best one and they're like yeah okay they're like like uh okay grandpa does he talk about Dracula in it I know but uh so uh, for me, since you know you asked, uh, I'd go Blink as my number one because obviously she is the you know uh, just it's like oh yeah I don't like six one six Blink I like the Age of Apocalypse Exiles Blink because you know she's not that well known like she she does have like her own universe that she goes into and she goes and just she's like if you took Doctor Who and X Men and combine them it's pretty cool you know <laughs> and then uh, Machine Man. I just think he he's a ton That's of fun. A just a cool, cool character. And then I mean Starman. I mean like his I love Starman as a character, and then also just his character though is super hipstery. It's like, yeah, he deals in antiques. And he, you know, wears a leather jacket and has this big old, you know, staff. He looks very steampunky. It's he's a hipster's dream. You're gonna love him. Um and then I'm gonna go with the kaiju kid who was who had like his own series for a hot second, and then they're like, "Let's get rid of this because only Casey's reading it." <laughs> and then when I went to get it autographed by Colin Bunn, he's like, "Yeah, this was fun, I guess." Like he he was like shocked that someone had it to get it autographed. 
<laughs> but he could basically draw stuff and it would then come to life. It was cool. Sure. The scribble knots, the comic. There you go. <laughs> All right. I think that brings us to the end, huh? I think so, man. All right. Closing plugs. If you would, please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash two worlds podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore PC and on Instagram at two worlds pod. You can email us at two worlds podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please like us and, uh, you know, give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. It would be a big help. And now that we're on YouTube, um, you know, go on there, give us a little like, uh, check mark the bells thing for notifications and subscribe pretty please. And then send some comments our way too. Jake has completely complete control over that, but I'm sure he'll like talk. <laughs> he'll, he'll talk back to you. If you talk, talk to us on there. Sure. And you know, we'd love to stay in chat, but like I got a lot of alcohol to drink and Jake's got to take over the role of Iron Man for me. Thanks guys. Bye.